Hi, this is Gary Washburn, pastor of Grace Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning to our podcast today. Our hope is that this message inspires you and builds your faith. For more information about Grace Tabernacle and our ministries, please go to gracetab.org and like us on Facebook. Now, may the message feed your soul. But I, wanna, I just want to make a quick announcement today. I'm just so grateful this morning that we have a brand new interim pastor, Pastor Rick Porterfield. And, amen. Let's give him a hand. And his wife, Rebecca, they came to be with us and made a commitment to us that they would be here three months, up to possibly six months, and even be a candidate for the senior pastor if that's what God wants. But we just want to be totally spirit there. We're so grateful that they've come and stepped in here to help us. Trust me, we need them, don't you? <laughs> we, need, we need a shepherd here to be here to love on us and to help us and to work with us. And we're just so grateful. They have had uh, over 30 years of ministry experience. And also they've been senior pastors for 11 years. They have a teaching ministry on marriage and family, healing, leadership, and much, much more. And they have a heart for the Lord and for the body of Christ. Also, just a small tidbit, found out he's from West Virginia. Amen. I'm from West Virginia, so he must be pretty good. Praise God. So, Pastor Rick, if you would come. Let's give him another hand. Praise God. It's always a comfort to have a fellow West Virginian in the house. And he told me he's not far from Bluefield. I grew up in the county next door to Bluefield. So uh, anyway, we might be related. <laughs> I grew up with a lot of people I was related to and didn't know it. I wonder why my mom would say, you can't date her. <laughs> Y'all think I'm joking. <laughs> that ain't no better. Praise God. Rebecca and I, we're really honored and glad to be here. It's the church of the living God. And it is an honor to do anything uh, for the Lord and on behalf of his people. It really is. So we're very honored to be here. And uh, we put a lot of prayer into, uh, you know, doing this, to being interim pastors. And um, we're committed to fulfilling what he's called us to do here. Amen. And I think um, some people have already said it this morning, but you know, the best days for you and this church are ahead. God has got good things for you. God's got good things for all of us. Now, I do want to mention as well, Rebecca and I did have, we have been in traveling ministry, so we had some commitments that we'd already made. And actually, we were in marriage ministry. Well, we still are. I wouldn't say we're not. But anyway, uh, so Valentine's Day is a big thing for that. So actually, the next two weekends, we had commitments we'd already made. Uh, so we're going to keep our commitments. We'll be in the office here during the week. Uh, but the next two Sundays, I, I, I'm sorry, but I will be out. But we do believe we need to keep those commitments we made. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Amen? So we're going to do that. But we're glad to be here and glad to serve the body. And I, again, I want you to know the best days are ahead. I'm excited. I really am. And I hope you're excited. So we're going to do communion. And I think I mentioned we're going to do communion. Someone that we're going to do it uh, before the message. So if you have the elements. Did everybody get the elements, by the way? Does anybody need them? I see the, the, the elements through. Some people raised their hands. Please raise your hand and let them know that you need the elements for communion. 
Um, you know, communion is not just a ritual. It has meaning. It has power. So if you would, I want to turn over here to 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, And before we actually receive communion together, I want to just talk about it just a little bit about communion. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, the Apostle Paul wrote this. And he said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. A couple things are interesting to me. You know, Paul wasn't at the Last Supper. He wasn't there with them when, they, when Jesus did communion. So he received this from the Lord. That's pretty awesome. Paul had some spiritual insight. Amen. That's great. And then it says here too, that Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread. One of the people closest to him in the world betrayed him and Jesus stayed with the plan of God. Amen. Amen. That's a lesson for all of us right there. Let's go to verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. His body was broken for you. His body was broken so your body can be whole, so your natural circumstances can be whole. There's power in this. Look at this. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say do this in remembrance of you and your sin. He said, do this in remembrance of me, what I've done for you. So we want to remember his body was broken for us. This is a powerful section of Scripture right here. What's all powerful? In the same manner, in the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You know, his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sin, for restoration of relationship to God. Sonship. You know, sonship in a biblical sense isn't a gender thing. It's a relationship thing. Amen? Amen. So we all have a relationship with God. But his blood was shed for that relationship with God for, the rest, for forgiveness of sins, but for the restoration of the inner man. You know, guilt and condemnation, that kind of stuff has no place in our lives. Consciousness of sin. We should not have consciousness of sin. You know, Jesus, if we ask the question, God, am I acceptable? That's really the wrong question. The question is, God, is Jesus acceptable? And if the answer to that question is yes, and it is, then so are you. Because you're in Him. He's your Savior. We don't need to be looking at ourselves and looking at our sin. Not that we just go do whatever we want. I'm not saying that. Understand. But I am saying, if Jesus is acceptable, then, and, and you have put your faith in Him, then so are you. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says. Ephesians 4.24 says you were created anew in righteousness and true holiness. That's who you are. Stop identifying with your mistakes. A mistake is an event, not who you are. I might preach here. You know, the inner man, the blood was shed for the inner man. I read this thing, maybe some of y'all saw it. The government of Silicon Valley, is y'all okay? Can I say y'all here? The government of Silicon Valley came out and declared loneliness as a medical emergency. Did y'all hear this? It's what, not a health emergency. How did they put it? I wrote it down. Public health emergency. Loneliness in Silicon Valley. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's plenty of people in Silicon Valley. It's not for lack of people that people are lonely. I'll tell you, really, it comes down to lack of the Lord, lack of relationship, lack of love. Man, if you have loneliness, we're going to overcome that. Amen? You don't need to be lonely. 
You don't need to be. We love you. Brother Anthony said that. We, the board loves you. Rebecca and I, I'm going to tell you, we love you. We love the body of Christ. We have a heart for you already. We do. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this club, cup, help me Jesus. <laughs> for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. He's not dead. What are we proclaiming? I used to wonder about this. What's that mean? He's, we proclaim his death till he comes. He's not dead. Is that true? He's living. We're proclaiming that what he did in his death, burial, and resurrection is as fresh and for us today as the day he came out of the tomb. So if healing was for us then, if peace was for us then, if provision was for us then, it is now. These are the things we remember when we do communion together and we release our faith. You can be healed in communion. It's the meal that heals. You can receive answers. You can receive peace in communion. Amen? We so that's what we're proclaiming. He's not dead. He's very much alive. And I'll tell you, where two or more are gathered together in his name, he's there in the midst of them. Anything he could have done if he were standing here in person, he can do right now. That's right. Yes. Through this body right here, through our faith. Amen? Amen? Y'all okay? Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That's a widely misunderstood verse right there. He tells us how, here in a minute how you can take communion unworthily. I said that pretty good, unworthily. I thought I'd butcher that one. <laughs> whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty. What's that mean? What, how did I take it unworthily? I need to know. Right? Verse 28, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You know, Jesus is good company. He doesn't sit down with you at the table and say, let's talk about your shortcomings. Let's talk about your sin. No, he sits down, let's talk about what's in your life that I paid for not to be there. And let's get rid of it. Let's deal with it right here with the blood and the body. Amen? That's what he's talking about. Let a man examine himself. So examine yourself right now. Take a minute. What's going on in your life that shouldn't be there that's not in alignment with the Word? Have you got symptoms? That's not a problem for Jesus. I've seen stage four cancer healed so many times. I've seen people sit and listen to the Word taught and be healed of tinnitus. Sinus infections leave. This is true. It's for us today. Whatever Jesus paid for us to have belongs to us today, folks. None of this stuff's a problem for genius. D Jesus, depression, not a problem. I'm not saying it's not real and people don't have it. I'm saying that Jesus is the answer. Amen. And communion, we remember these things. That's why I, I was so happy when I heard we were doing communion today. I was glad of that. So examine yourself. And so after examining yourself, after examining yourself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Now right here he's going to tell you how to do it unworthily, not discerning the Lord's body. It's not about your sin. It's about we don't understand what we're doing. It's not just a ritual. It's a time we remember, man, Jesus did, his blood was shed for my relationship with God. So the renovation of my inner man, guilt, condemnation, all this inner, ugh, 
what anything out here symptoms circumstances his body was broken for that look at this so for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body for this reason for not discerning the Lord's body many are weak and sick among you and many sleep man if we would discern the Lord's body remember man Jesus paid for my healing and for the restoration of my natural circumstances you'll be strong and you won't be sick and you're not going to die before you're not going to die early Praise God. That's good news to me. So I wanted to touch on those things about communion and remind us that when we receive communion together today, let's, we're going to do it worthily. We're going to discern the Lord's body and remember what this is about. Are y'all okay? We ready? All right, well, let's, uh, if I can do this here, pull this little thing off of here. There we go. There's two of them. Got to get that top one off get the bread out it's not so easy sometimes but let's go back and read um, verse 24 again when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you Jesus we thank you that your body was broken so that we can be whole and right now I just re release my faith with everyone here for the restoration of our bodies and our circumstances I speak to symptoms to go in Jesus name whatever illness or sickness or disease may be among these people we just rebuke it and command healing to manifest in their bodies right now in the name of Jesus let's, let's eat together Praise you, Lord. Verse 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. That's no small thing to say. This is the new covenant. It's a different covenant. It's a new covenant based on better promises, Hebrews tells us. Amen. Better pro every promise of God is yours. Amen. This is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for us. Thank you, Lord, for restoration of relationship with the Father. For renovation of our inner man. This sin. You've put it away. It's just not an issue. You've put it away. Thank you. D depression, guilt, condemnation, that's not from you. And we just reject it right now. Thank you, Father, that we are whole on the inside as well as the outside. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink together. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank him right now for the answer you need today. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the answer. Thank you for the manifestation of what we released our faith for. In Jesus' name, glory to God. I'll give you that one. Thank you, sir. Okay. Well, that was good. So, I'm going to do some machine gun preaching here. I got a little, long, little more long-winded with communion than I meant to. But I won't get long-winded and keep you here, okay? We'll get out of here by 2 o'clock, I promise. All right. In the morning.
I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I might talk to the clock, though. I might tell it to slow down. Let's pray before we get into the message. Father, I just thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you. Just touch the hearts of each and every one of us here and change our lives today. Lord, I didn't come to leave the same. Lord, I came to be more like Jesus. That's what I want today. I want to be more like you, Lord God. And I want that for every one of us here. So just open our hearts, open our eyes to your word and change our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Has anybody ever heard of Roger Bannister? Roger Bannister? Yeah. He was, yeah, Roger Bannister had a vision. Roger Bannister was an English runner, middle distance runner, and his vision was to break the four-minute mile. Amen? And at that time when he was wanting to do this, nobody had ever done it. That's why he wanted to break the four-minute mile, but they thought it was impossible. Medical professionals of the time actually said if you tried to break the four-minute mile, it would kill you, okay? So it was kind of a risk to want to break the four-minute mile, okay? And, but he had a vision to do it. He believed it was possible. And he trained his body through exercise and nutrition. But, you know, he also trained his mind. He trained his mind to see himself breaking the four-minute mile, Amen. And um, long story short, on May 6th, 1954, he ran a mile in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. He broke the four-minute mile. Amen? His record stood for 46 days. Now, nobody had ever done it. And he does it. And 46 days later, somebody else does it. In the next number of months, several other people did it, including a high schooler. That's interesting. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, not just a, a natural barrier fell that day with the four-minute mile, a mental barrier fell. People realized this is possible. If he can do it, I can do it. Amen? That's the power of a vision. Henry, Henry Ford said, whether you think you're right or you think you're wrong, I'm sorry, I'm saying it wrong. He said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. If you think you can do it, or if you think you can't do it, you're right. So we need to think we can. One word I hate, you know, can't is a four-letter word, C-A-N-T. I don't like the word can't. All things are possible with God. Amen. Amen? All things are possible with God. And the thing I want to talk about today is vision. You know, Roger Bannister's vision, it, it impacted him, but it impacted other people as well. Amen? Other people were able to break the four-minute mile because he did. There, every one of us has a four-minute mile, so to speak. And your four-minute mile, you achieving that vision isn't just about you. It'll impact other people as well. That's important to me. Amen? I know Rebecca and I, we've been in marriage ministry for years. We talked about that. But, you know, the first two and a half years of our marriage were extremely bad. Very bad. We were about to get a divorce. And um, um, the reason we didn't get a divorce is we were going to move out from each other. And we had a mistake in our checkbook, a pretty big one, and couldn't move out, couldn't afford to. So that time between that mistake in the checkbook and the next payday was just enough time for God to get a hold of us. And God began showing us things about marriage. And, you know, now ever since then, we've been rubbing the devil's nose in it. But that marriage, that was a four-minute mile for us. 
And we were able to accomplish that vision and reconcile our marriage. And now we've worked with people really all over the world. We've worked with a lot of couples in ministry who had trouble in marriage. We've, done a lot of, we've trained a lot of people in how to do marriage ministry. We've you know, been, like I said, many nations around the world equipping people and doing conferences to help them with their marriages. So that, that reconciliation of our relationship, that four-minute mile of ours, wasn't just about us. It was about other people as well. But the thing I want you to know is God has a vision for your life. God has got a vision for your life. You have a purpose. You are here for a reason. So again, I want to talk today about vision for the body of Christ. And I want to talk about four things. One, vision is important. God has a vision for you. I just said that. You know, God, sometimes we think, well, God's got a vision for other people. No, he's got a vision for you. And it's a better vision than yours. You might have a vision for your life. That's great. But God's got a, if you have his vision, awesome. If your vision differs from his, I'm going to tell you his is better. Amen? His vision is better than anything I can concoct. Not only does he have a vision for you, he wants you to succeed in filling it, fulfilling it. Yeah. He wants you to succeed. And then he even tells us how to do it. How awesome is that? So let's look at these things real quick. We're taking kind of a big picture look at this. We could talk for hours about vision. But here's a scripture I want to go to, Proverbs 29, 18. It'll be right here. Where there is no revelation, the King James Version says, where there is no vision. Let me, I'm going to read it to you in the King James, then we'll look at the new King James here. King James says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Perishing's bad. Do y'all know that? You ever put a banana on the counter and it perishes? Not good, right? Not, it's bad. Well, it's bad when people perish too, not just bananas. It's bad. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. That's better. Better than perishing. So the King James, New King James, rather, you can put it back up there. Where there is no revelation, vision. See, we want to have God's vision, not just any vision. We want revelation of God's vision. We want his vision for us. The people cast off restraint, okay? Other translations say, uh, like the Living Bible says, crime runs wild. That's interesting. Um, there are seven different translations that say that people run wild where there's no vision. I can look around our nation and see a lot of places and think, they must not have much vision there. I don't know about y'all, but you know. The New Living Version says that people do whatever they want. A symptom of no vision is people just doing whatever they want. <laughs> it's not good. We need vision. Amen? It's important to have a vision, again, specifically God's vision for our life, okay? So I want to talk a little bit about God's vision for the body of Christ and for us as individuals. He has a vision for you, a purpose for you. He's not trying to hide it from you. He wants you to know what it is. He wants you to know his vision for your life, okay? So I went over that scripture to try to show, the, show you the importance of a vision. So let's move on here to talking about he has a vision for you individually and for us collectively. He has specific gifts and callings. I think a lot of times people think that, well, you know, calling, that's just for the people that get up and speak. It's not. God has a call on your life. Amen. Every one of you here. Amen. And people think, well, I don't, you know, I read about those gifts of the Spirit in the Bible and, you know, I don't think I have any gifts. You didn't get that from the Bible and you didn't get that from God. You've got gifts. I promise you. Amen? So I'm going to go here to Luke 11, 1 and 2. Luke 11, 1 and 2. 
Now it came to pass as he was praying, this is Jesus, in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, now at the time this happened, this event, they'd been walking with Jesus for over two years. That's interesting to me. And they didn't say, Jesus, show us how to, you know, do these miracles and things we see you doing. They didn't say, help us, whatever, help, show us how to break the bread and feed the 4,000 or 5,000. They said, teach us how to pray, as John the Baptist also taught his disciples. Prayer, they must have recognized, man, this guy has got an awesome prayer life, and I need to glean something from this. We need to be taught to pray. You know, little kids have got to be taught to talk to their parents. Amen? Yeah. Amen? So we need to be taught to pray. I think sometimes we think these things are just automatic. Well, listen how to pray. The disciples who'd walked with Jesus for over ten, two years didn't know. They wanted to know. Amen? And, but look at what Jesus told them. Let's go to verse 2. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's part of God's vision for every one of us as the body of Christ, individually and as a whole. He wants His will done in your life as it is in heaven. What does that mean? If it doesn't exist in heaven, it shouldn't exist in our life. Is there sickness in heaven? No. Is there lack in heaven? No. Is there loneliness in heaven? This emergency crisis, whatever Silicon Valley's got going on now. Is there depression in heaven? No. On earth as it is in heaven. Amen. On earth as it is in heaven. That's, again, God's vision for us. Is there defeat in heaven? Is there discouragement? No. Is there disunity? I've heard a lot of people pre praying for unity in the body. That, that's what I talked about when I was here a month ago. We need unity in the body. I'll tell you, one of the, you know, the First Peter chapter 5, this is a side note. Y'all stay right there. Side note. First Peter chapter 5 says the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, does anybody ever, do you remember Marlon Perkins? <laughs> Mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom. I used to watch that as a kid. And I remember learning from, you know, remember Jim was the one who always wrestled the snakes and things. Marlon stand back. Anyway, I always thought that was interesting. But the lion would go after the one that was separated. He'd try to get them apart. Try to get them in disunity. When we're in disunity, he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's the separated one that's the target. I talked about unity a month ago. I'm telling you again, unity is so important. And really, it all comes down to I just want my way. That's what's going to cause disunity. It, that's a dividing force. Self-centeredness is a dividing force. And there's scripture, I talked about that then, but love, God's love specifically, is a unifying force. Colossians 3.14 tells you that. You might make note of that and go look at it. It's a unifying force, okay? Jeremiah 31.3 is another scripture that shows us that God's love is a unifying force. Man, we need to have God's love. I don't want to be a target for the devil. Not that I'm afraid of him, but if I get in disunity, I frustrate the anointing in my life. It's just... I frustrate the blessing in my life and I make myself a target for the devil. I just soon stay in unity. How about you? Yes. I just assume stay in unity. 
So anyway, on earth as it is in heaven. If it's not in heaven, it shouldn't be in your life. That's part of God's vision for your life. Amen. He wants you having experience in heaven on earth. Didn't Jesus come? First message Jesus preaches is repent. Why? For the kingdom of God's at hand. It's here. You can reach out and touch it. You can reach out and take it. The kingdom of God is here. What do you mean by repent? Quit chasing the things you've been chasing all your life, trying to make it on your own. I brought the kingdom of heaven, and here it is. Receive. Amen? How awesome is that? And like we said, he's here. Where two or more of you gathered in my name, he's here in the midst of us. Anything he could have done if he were here in the flesh, we can have now. And he actually said, it's better for you if I go away because, you think, because if he goes away, he'll send the Holy Spirit. There was just one of him before, one Christ, and now there are all these Christians. The devil messed up. Amen. When they crucified the Lord of glory, he messed up. Because now all of us. Okay, I'm going to hit a couple scriptures here. I need to move along. Uh, we're not going to turn to these. But again, I mentioned this earlier. People think, I don't have gifts. I don't have callings on my life. Again, you didn't get that from God or the Bible. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. But you didn't. First, make a note of it. First Corinthians 7, 17 says in part, the Lord has called each one. Now, what does that mean? That means each one is called. Y'all okay? You have a call in your life. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 is talking about spiritual gifts. It says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. What does that mean? That means each one has gifts. Amen? You, you have a calling. You have gifts on your life. Amen? That's good. And he goes on there and says, they're given to you for the profit of all. You know, our gifts aren't given to us for us. They're given to us for other people. I'm not supposed to sit on my gift and just get a thrill up my back. I'm supposed to go out and give it away. Amen? So, so there's a call on you, and there are gifts in your life. That's good news to me. And you could just go on. You could go on. Mm. Time. Slow down, clock. So he has a vision for you. And here's the thing, too, we need to understand. You know, Romans eleven twenty nine says the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Okay? That means, what that means is you haven't blown it. It's not too late. Some mistake you may have made or think you made hasn't canceled or nullified it. It's irrevocable. The deal is still on. The deal's still on. Whatever God put it, I think most of us here, if we look back over our life, kind of step back from ourselves and look back over our life, we could probably figure out pretty close what God had for us. We might think, man, that was 30 years ago. That was 40 years ago. It's too late. The deal is still on. That gift, that call is irrevocable. So that thing that you were called and gifted to do, you still are. That's good news. That's good news to me. I think, thank God. Thank God. Okay, so... It's important. And there's a call for us collectively and for us individually. There are gifts. There's a vision 
Okay? Vision's important. There's vision for us collectively and individually. And God wants you to succeed. He wants you to fulfill the vision, the call on your life. Let's go to John 15, verse 8. This is an awesome scripture. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. We think God gets glory when we suffer much. That's not what, it, again, we, get the, we think these things, but we didn't get them from God or the Bible. He said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And I need to clarify that. Sometimes we read that wrong. We think, well, I have to go out and just labor and labor and get into all these works and bear much fruit. That's not what that's talking about. What that means is if we are a disciple, the fruit follows being a disciple. Yes. Amen. You know, it's fun to be a disciple. We hear the word disciple sometimes, think that sounds like work. It's fun to be a disciple. And I'll talk more about this in a minute, but the disciples are the ones that win. This, I would define a disciple as a kingdom winner. Okay, that's what a disciple is. It's more fun to win than lose. Amen? You know, uh, Super Bowl's coming up. Is it next weekend? Both those teams are going to go out there and contend. Both of them are going to get hit, right? Life's kind of like that. We're going to get hit anyway. So we might as well win. And being a disciple, that is a kingdom winner. Amen. And we'll talk more about this stuff in the weeks ahead. Jesus wants you to win. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to fulfill the vision. Look at that. Much fruit. Not a little fruit. Not no fruit. He doesn't get any pleasure or glory from that. He wants you to bear much fruit. Amen. Ephesians 1.3 in the New King James says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, he wants you to succeed. Now look at this, who has blessed us. Notice that's past tense. You're not trying to get blessed, you're already blessed. Okay? Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now I want you to know that word us means you. Okay, you're not exempt from this scripture. Hard as you might want to try, you're not. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed you, us, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. What that means, my paraphrase, is every blessing heaven has to offer is yours right now. Amen. Every so what blessings does heaven have to offer? Well, it's kind of like as on earth as it is in heaven. Healing, provision, peace. Uh, fellowship, relationship, not feeling, the, what's the opposite of depressed? Happy, joyful, amen? Whatever it is, every spiritual blessing is yours right now. God's already given you all this and we receive these things, we manifest these things into our life by faith. I said this a month ago, I was reading this, I like to read research one sometimes, I like how when research aligns with the scripture, that's really cool. I don't need, to, need it to, but I like it when it does. I was reading about this study, this brain doctor, I think he was at Penn, uh, one of the Ivy League schools, but he had done this research and decided that you know, people are born to believe and unbelief is learned. I believe that. You tell a little kid there's a tooth fairy, they're in. Yeah, you put your tooth under that pillow and tooth fairy comes by and leaves you, I don't know, what is it nowadays? It's still a quarter? Wow. I don't know. I don't know what it is nowadays, inflation, you know. Anyway, but kids believe. We have, they have to learn not to believe. There's an Easter bunny that lays colored eggs. Okay, I'm in. And you open them up and there's chocolate in there. 
or what, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Every promise is true and it's for you. Every promise is true and it's for you. He wants you to succeed. You know, Romans 8 says we're more than a conqueror. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says he always leads us in triumph. If he's always leading us in triumph, I want to follow him. That's even better than following like George Patton. Y'all know who George Patton was? General World War II? Yeah. He was leading them in victory, right? Jesus is even better. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Whoever's doing the scriptures, I'm going to skip the next verse. I'm going to go to James 1.22. So what I want you to see is vision is important. He has a vision for us collectively and for you individually. He has a vision for you. Vision's important. There's a vision for you. He wants you to succeed in achieving the vision. Okay? And then next, he tells you how to do it. So this is how you do it. Y'all ready? For, I want to know how to do it. I want the practical side of this thing. Amen? I want to be able to do it. So let's go look at James 1, 22 and verse 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time just hearing the word and not doing it. Thank God I finally figured out I need to do this. Amen. Amen. So be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I don't want it, man. I don't want to be deceived even if I'm not doing it my, to myself. I certainly don't want to deceive myself. Amen. So let's just be doers of the word. Now look at verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now we'll talk more about these things in the future. But someone who hears, does, and continues in the word is blessed in what they do. Look at it again. He who looks at the perfect law of liberty, the word, and continues in it, continues in it. So we're hearing it, we're looking into it, we're hearing it, we're receiving it, and we're continuing. It's not like a once and done thing. We're continuing in it. And it's not forgetful. Again, we're continuing in it. We want to remember what the body and blood are about. Do this in remembrance of me. We want to keep these things in mind. We want to remember. And it's not forgetful here, but a doer of the work. What work? Now, a minute ago it said word over there in verse 22. Now it's saying work. There's something for us to do. God has a purpose. He has a call. He has a vision for your life. There's something for you to put your hand to. But you know, whatever I put my hand to prospers. Well, that's a promise, isn't it? That goes for everybody here. Whatever you put, the work you put your hand to as part of God's vision, it's going to work out for your good and his glory. Amen? That's good news. But what is that? Someone who hears the word does the word, doesn't forget it, forget it, and keeps doing it. That's a disciple. That's a disciple. You know, in John, we won't turn there, but in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to those Jews who believe, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Then verse 30, 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. A lot of us want to quote, the truth makes me free. It's not really correct. That word and ties that to the previous verse. Now track with me. He said to those Jews who believe, so he's talking to believers, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So he differentiates. There's, not every believer is a disciple, but every disciple is a believer. 
Every believer who continues in his word is a disciple. And you, disciples, will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Kingdom winner. I want to be a kingdom winner. Me and Rebecca, what we spent our 30 years in ministry doing is building kingdom winners, primarily in marriage, but I'm telling you, we've seen so much healing. We've seen so many businesses turned around. And I'm just going to tell you, it's just not that hard. Only believe. They came to Jay Iris. Y'all know the story with the report. Your daughter's dead. Don't bother the father anymore, the, the master anymore. Jesus looked at him and said, fear not, only believe. Do what you were created. Do what you were born to do. Believe. Forget that learned behavior of unbelief. Being a disciple's fun. Again, a disciple is a kingdom winner. You ever seen a boxing match? I mentioned football a minute ago. You ever seen a boxing match, you know? I'm sure you have. At the end of the match, if you look at both of them, they, the two boxers, they both look like they lost. <laughs> Don't they? They're, they're all bruised and battered. Look, you, know, they've been, you can tell. How do you know the winner? He's the one with his hands in the air and a smile on his face. That's what God wants for you. We might, we're, there's some effort. So God, the world's going to throw some stuff at you anyway. The devil's not going to roll over and play dead. But the good news is we can trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will by any means harm you. We will overcome. And if we'll do things God's way, a lot of the bruising and battering we'll be able to exempt ourselves from. And actually, First Peter chapter, I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter one, tells us that we can um, basically avoid the corruption that's in the world. Yes. So I'm gonna tell you, you'll come out looking a whole lot better than the enemy. Amen. 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 You might get hit a little bit, but it's gonna be a lot better than if we're not doing the word. Y'all tracking with me? Again, this is kind of a 30,000 foot view of some things here. But building kingdom winners. If I were going to summarize my vision for the body of Christ and for you, it would be to build kingdom winners. Amen? Kingdom winners, they win in the kingdom for themselves, but they also win for the kingdom for other people. Does that make sense? Amen. You know, there's really nothing special necessarily about Rebecca and I. We've got a call. We've got giftings just like you. But I'll tell you, when we go somewhere, you know, whether we're in Africa or South America or Europe or Texas or Tennessee or wherever, we're expecting God, Jesus said he'd go with us. I, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. So he's with us. That's why he told the Israelites they're going to go into the promised land. I'm with you. I've given you the land. He's given us the land. We go expecting God to show up and do what he said and manifest the promises in those people's lives. And he does. I mentioned we had, uh, we've seen businesses turn around. I didn't know this, but one Sunday when we had our church, I was ministering. I was talking about expecting the supernatural. We'd expect the supernatural. If we're not expecting the supernatural, it's just superficial. Amen. Let's expect the supernatural. Why not today? I'm going to tell you, Jesus is here right now. If you need a supernatural manifestation in your life, why not today? Amen. So there's this couple there. He's a businessman. He has a good-sized business. He has about 50 employees, okay? And I didn't know this, but his business was in free fall. 
Okay? So on this Sunday, I ministered on expecting the supernatural. It's kind of like this. I said, if you need a touch of the supernatural, come forward. I'm going to pray for you. Him and his wife came up. I didn't know what was going on. I prayed for him. And so that's Sunday. Wednesday night, he comes to church and wants to, he tells me his testimony. He said, basically, he told me, he informed me my business was in free fall. Since Sunday, I've had $107,000 in bad debt come in. People who never paid him in the past just paid him. That doesn't happen. Any business people in here, you know, really, that doesn't happen. That's God. Okay? Plus, in those three days, he won. There was some vice president of a major factory over in Augusta, Georgia, about to sign a contract. He said, wait a minute, did so-and-so's company bid on this? They said, no. He said, well, we need to get a quote from him. Then he's about to sign the contract, award the sales. Anyway, so this guy bids, wins the work, so there's $400-something thousand dollars for work. Then he has another $400-something thousand. This is in three days, almost a million. He went from having no money, no work. He said, I was going to make payroll on Friday, lay everybody off, and that was it. Now he's hiring people. That's God. Okay? You know, there wasn't any trumpets and angels. It just happened. But it was very supernatural. Had another guy came to me. He had had for three weeks, for three weeks he'd had this rash on almost like 70% of his body, just this red, fiery, burning rash. And he'd been to doctors, and they couldn't do anything. They didn't know what it was. They'd give him this and that and the other and couldn't, you know, whatever. Couldn't do anything with it. And he said, what do I do? And I said, you know what? You're thinking about this rash too much. I said, this rash is no big deal. You need to get your mind off this rash and get your mind on the Lord. So I said, do you have any worship music at home? Scriptural worship music. And our worship today, thank God for a good worship team. Amen. Thank God for an anointed worship team that can get our focus off of ourselves and on the Lord because of this kind of thing I'm talking about right here. I told him, I said, you need to... Put on some worship music and just you start worshiping the Lord. And I'm telling you, when you get your mind off yourself, healing's going to manifest in your body. He said, how long do I do that? And I said, as long as it takes. You know, just as long as it takes. I don't know. 15 minutes, three days. I don't know. So anyway, he calls me the next day. He did it. Thank God for people who will do the word. He did it. So he said he got, he said for the first 20, 30 minutes, all you can think about is that rash. This, you, know, you know, this kind of thing. And he said, but somewhere around the 40 minute mark, he said he just finally got his mind off himself and got focused on Jesus. And he said about an hour in, he realized, wait a minute, the itching's gone. And he looked and the rash is gone. Doers. God wants you, God has a vision for your life. Amen. Vision's important. He has a vision for your life, us collectively, you individually. You have gifts and callings. He wants you to succeed and he tells you how to do it. It basically comes down to being a disciple. My modern phrase for a disciple would be a kingdom winner. And being a disciple's fun. It's more fun to win than lose. I'd rather be the one with my hands up than the one that went through all that and lost. So I, I look around here today and I see a bunch of kingdom winners. And we're building kingdom winners. Amen? So our vision 
is to build kingdom winners, to raise up people who receive the promises and impact their world. Amen? Your best days are ahead. Man, there are people sitting here. God has exploits for you. The deal is still on. There are nations you'll go to. Neighborhoods you'll go to. Amen? And you may have thought, I mentioned this earlier, you might have thought, I'm going to do this someday. In times past, 30 years, 40 years, whatever, and you haven't done this, this calling. You haven't walked in the gifts or what was in your heart. The deal's still on. The deal is still on. God's not, if you're breathing, God's not done. And I, as I look around the crowd, I'm pretty sure everybody's breathing. So we're going to close right here. I'm going to ask the prayer ministers to come down, please. If the prayer ministers would come down. I'm going to wrap it up with a true story about Abraham Lincoln. Y'all handle a story about Abraham Lincoln? Abraham Lincoln, he was the president during the Civil War, and he liked to go to church. And sometimes he would sneak out of the White House on Wednesday nights, and there was this certain church nearby the White House that the um, pastor of the church was a Reverend Gurley, G-U-R-L-E-Y, not Gurley, like G-I-R-L, okay? Reverend Gurley. And so Reverend Gurley, if he knew the president was coming, he'd leave a side door to the church unlocked so the president could come in. That door entered into the president's study, I mean the pastor's study, and he'd leave the door open into the sanctuary so Lincoln would come in, have a seat, and listen to the sermon. So one night, uh, the president comes in there and he's got one of his aides with him and they listen to the message and they leave. And the aide says, well, you know, Mr. President, what did you think of the message? And Lincoln said, well, it was biblically sound. It was presented well. You could tell he'd studied and he'd really prepared. So the aide said, so you think it was a great message? And Abraham Lincoln said, it failed. It failed because he didn't ask us to do something great. He didn't ask us to do what he said. I guess more correctly, he didn't ask us to do what the Word said. So I want to ask you to do something great. I don't want this to fail. I don't want you to walk out of here and this, well, what's for lunch? That was, that was thank God he finished on time. Okay, so I'm going to give a couple of altar calls. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. Jesus made it so easy. Only believe. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And every promise is yours. So if you've never received Jesus, man, now's the time. Why wait another minute? My gosh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says clearly in Acts chapter 1 that the, Holy, the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift. Well, Romans 11, 29 says that is irrevocable. Some people want to say it's not for today. I don't have time to argue with them. God says it is. So if you, need, if you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, now's the time. It's, it's an empowerment. It is a, come on, if any of these altar calls, if they, if they apply to you, come on. 
It's an empowerment. You know, if I had two Ferraris parked out here, and I said, you can drive either Ferrari home you want, but this one's got a 1975 Volkswagen motor, and this one's got a brand new Ferrari motor, which one do you want to drive home? They're both look good, they're both nice, they're both valuable. Salvation's great, but that's the car. Salvation's awesome. I'm not, I understand my heart. I don't have time to explain everything in detail here. But it's kind of like the Ferrari with the Volkswagen motor. It doesn't have the empowerment of that baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's what you want. So if you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come on. The next great thing, if you, if, you, if, you, if that, what I've said pulls your heart. You think, man, there are things I believe, I'm pretty sure, I think, God has put my heart in the past, and I have not walked in them. Stir it up by taking a step of faith and coming down here and letting one of these prayer ministers pray with you. Amen. So I'm just going to ask you to come now. Come on. In Jesus' name, come on. If that's you, don't be shy. Don't hesitate. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you, something's come up in me two or three times. I'm just going to say it. There's somebody here, you've been told, well, you may not, the word I've got is diverticulitis. Diverticulitis. I just like the Lord has shown me somebody, maybe you've been diagnosed, maybe you've got symptoms of diverticulitis. I command healing in your body right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So you receive that. The Lord didn't speak that so for nothing to happen. Healing belongs to you. Come and receive prayer. Any of those altar calls. Salvation. Baptist Holy Spirit. If you have any other need, if you need healing, come and let somebody agree with you. Amen. If you need an answer, if you need peace, come let someone agree with you. Amen. God, Jesus is here. He's here in our midst, and he's here to do everything he said he would do. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. How about if everybody just stands up? Let's just stand together. Glory to God. Praise you, Lord. You got anything? I'm excited. Can y'all tell? God is good. Man, God is doing things. God is meeting people right where they're at, just like that woman at the well. Glory to God. You do have something? Go ahead, Rebecca. This is my wife, Rebecca. She has something. Um, okay, I'm going to try to. Let me, let me kind of do this number here. We don't have a microphone. There you go. Okay. Can you all hear me? Um, I just wanted to remind you of just something that goes along with this is that, you know, Rick was talking about the boxer and the, you know, the person at the end, you know, the, the hands went up. But we've got promises, and he was talking about it, how you don't have to look like you have been through hell and back. God's made us winners, but not only has he made us that, we have a promise. And in the end of the book, That's right. you are a winner. We are winners. It's a promise. And so you know what? If you go to an event, a game, or you get involved in anything that you know uh, you're going to win at the end, you play different. You play different, and you've been empowered to win. So throw fear away, throw lack of confidence away. You're already a winner. Jesus has made us winners. And so I just want to remind you of that. Hey, we've already won. Look at the back of the book. We've already won. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.
right? And we can manifest that victory in our lives today. Amen. So I just, altar call still open. If you need prayer, I'm going to ask you just, just please come. Don't leave without coming down. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I want to pray for you. Is that all right? Hallelujah. Jesus, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for your life. Thank you for the fact that you're still living. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your body. Thank you for the vision you have for our lives. Father God, I thank you for speaking to the hearts of everyone here. Touch our hearts. Change our lives. Ask yourself this question. I'm talking to the congregation now. What's God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? This is part of asking you to do something great. God is speaking to you right now. He has been this whole service. What are you going to do with what he's saying? If you'll do what he's telling you to do, you're going to manifest more victory in your life. Father, I just thank you for that. I thank you. We are resolved to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I love you. We love you. We're glad to be here. I'm going to miss you the next two Sundays, but I'm going to be back on fire. Amen. So I look forward to seeing you. God bless you.